0: chapter fifteen of mrs craddock by william somerset maugham this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by tony oliva craddock went out on his new horse and returned triumphantly he was as quiet as a lamb he said i could ride him with my arms tied behind my back and as to jumping he takes a five-barred gait in his stride bertha was a little angry with him for having caused her such terror angry with herself also for troubling and it was rather lucky i had him to-day old lord philip dirk was there and he asked branderton who i was you tell him says he that it isn't often i've seen a man ride as well as he does you should see branderton he isn't half glad at having let me take the beast for thirty-five quid and mr molson came up to me and said i knew that horse would get into your hands before long you're the only man in this part who can ride it but if it don't break your neck you'll be lucky he recounted with great satisfaction the compliments paid to him we had a jolly good run to-day and how are you dear feeling comfy oh i forgot to tell you you know rogers the huntsman Well he said to me that's a mighty fine hack you've got there sir but he takes some riding i know he does i said but i flatter myself i know a thing or two more than most horses (laughs) they all thought i should get rolled over before the day was out but i just went slick at everything to show i wasn't frightened then he gave details of the affair and he had as great a passion for the meticulous as a german historian he was one of those men who take infinite pains over trifles flattering themselves that they never do things by halves bertha had a headache and her husband bored her she thought herself a great fool to be so concerned about his safety as the months wore on miss glover became very solicitous the parson's sister looked upon birth as a mysteriously heart-fluttering business which however modesty required decent people to ignore she treated her friend in an absurdly self-conscious manner and blushed like a peony when bertha frankly referred to the coming event the greatest torment of miss glover's life was that as lady of the vicarage she had to manage the maternity bag an institution to provide the infants of the needy with articles of raiment and their mothers with flannel petticoats she could never without much confusion ask the necessary information of the beneficiaries in her charity feeling that the whole thing ought not to be discussed at all she kept her eyes averted and acted generally so as to cause great indignation well said one good lady i'd rather not ever beg at all than be treated like that why she treats you as if well as if you wasn't married yes said another that's just what i complain of i promise you i had alf a mind to take my marriage lines out of my pocket and show her it ain't nothing to be ashamed about nice thing it would be after avin sixteen if i was bashful but of course the more unpleasant a duty was the more zealously did miss glover perform it she felt it right to visit bertha with frequency and manfully bore the young wife's persistence in referring to an unpleasant subject she carried her heroism to the pitch of knitting socks for the forthcoming baby although to do so made her heart palpitate uncomfortably and when she was surprised at the work by her brother her cheeks burned like two fires now bertha dear she said one day pulling herself together and straightening her back as she always did when she was mortifying the flesh now bertha dear i want to talk to you seriously bertha smiled oh don't fanny you know how uncomfortable it makes you i must answered the good creature gravely i know you'll think me ridiculous but it's my duty i shan't think anything of the kind said bertha touched with her friend's humility well you talk a great deal of of what's going to happen miss glover blushed but i'm not sure if you are really prepared for it oh is that all cried bertha the nurse will be here in a fortnight and dr ramsay says she's a most reliable woman i wasn't thinking of earthly preparations said miss glover i was thinking of the other are you quite sure you're approaching the the thing in the right spirit what do you want me to do it isn't what i want you to do it's what you ought to do i'm nobody but have you thought at all of the spiritual side of it bertha gave a sigh that was chiefly voluptuous i've thought that i'm going to have a son that's mine and eddie's and i'm awfully thankful wouldn't you like me to read the bible to you sometimes good heavens you talk as if i were going to die one can never tell dear bertha replied miss glover somberly i think you ought to be prepared in the midst of life we are in death one can never tell what may happen bertha looked at her somewhat anxiously she had been forcing herself of late to be cheerful and had found it necessary to stifle a recurring presentiment of evil fortune the vicar's sister never realized that she was doing everything possible to make bertha thoroughly unhappy i brought my own bible with me she said do you mind if i read you a chapter i should like it said bertha and a cold shiver went through her have you got any preference for some particular part asked miss glover extracting the book from a little black bag which she always carried on bertha's answer that she had no preference miss glover suggested opening the bible at random and reading on from the first line that crossed her eyes charles doesn't quite approve of it she said he thinks it smacks of superstition but i can't help doing it and the early Protestants constantly did the same. Miss Glover, having opened the book with closed eyes, began to read. The sons of Phares, Hezron, and Hamul, and the sons of Zerah, Simri and Ethan, and Heman, and Calco, and Dara, five of them in all. Miss Glover cleared her throat. And the sons of Ethan, Azariah, the sons also of Hezron. That were born into him Jeramil and Ram and Chalabai, and Ram begat Aminadab, and, and Aminadab begat Nashon, Prince of the Children of Judah. She had fallen upon the genealogical table at the beginning of the book of Chronicles. The chapter was very long, and consisted entirely of names, uncouth and difficult to pronounce, but Miss Glover shirked not one of them with grave and somewhat high-pitched delivery modelled on her brother's she read out the bewildering list bertha looked at her in amazement that's the end of the chapter she said at last would you like me to read you another one yes i should like it very much but i don't think the part you've hit on is quite to the point my dear i don't want to reprove you that's not my duty but all the bible is to the point and as the time passed bertha quite lost her courage and was often seized by a panic fear suddenly without obvious cause her heart sank and she asked herself frantically how she could possibly get through it she thought she was going to die and wondered what would happen if she did what would edward do without her thinking of his bitter grief the tears came to her eyes but her lips trembled with self-pity when the suspicion came that he would not be heartbroken he was not a man to feel either grief or joy very poignantly he would not weep at the most his gaiety for a couple of days would be obscured and then he would go about as before she imagined him relishing the sympathy of his friends in six months he would almost have forgotten her and such memory as remained would not be extraordinarily pleasing he would marry again edward loathed solitude and next time doubtless he would choose a different sort of woman one less remote from his ideal edward cared nothing for appearance and bertha imagined her successor plain as miss hancock or dowdy as miss glover and the irony of it lay in the knowledge that either of those two would make a wife more suitable than she to his character answering better to his conception of a helpmate bertha fancied that edward would willingly have given her beauty for some solid advantage such as a knowledge of dressmaking her taste her arts and accomplishments were nothing to him and her impulsive passion was a positive defect handsome is as handsome does said he he was a plain simple man and he wanted a simple plain wife she wondered if her death would really cause him much sorrow bertha's will gave him everything of which she was possessed and he would spend it with a second wife she was seized with insane jealousy no i won't die she cried between her teeth i won't but one day while edward was hunting her morbid fancies took another turn supposing he should die the thought was unendurable but the very horror of it fascinated her she could not drive away the scenes which with strange distinctness her imagination set before her she was seated at the piano and heard suddenly a horse stop at the front door edward was back early but the bell rang why should edward ring there was a murmur of voices without and arthur branderton came in in her mind's eye she saw every detail most clearly he was in his hunting clothes something had happened and knowing what it was bertha was yet able to realize her terrified wonder as one possibility and another rushed through her brain he was uneasy he had something to tell but dared not say it she looked at him horror-stricken and a faintness came over her so that she could hardly stand bertha's heart beat quickly she told herself it was absurd to let her imagination run away with her but notwithstanding the pictures vividly proceeded she seemed to assist at a ghastly play in which she was chief actor and what would she do when the fact was finally told her that edward was dead she would faint or cry out there's been an accident said branderton your husband is rather hurt bertha put her hands to her eyes the agony was dreadful you mustn't upset yourself he went on trying to break it to her then rapidly passing over the intermediate details she found herself with her husband he was dead lying on the floor and she pictured him to herself she knew exactly how he would look sometimes he slept so soundly so quietly that she was nervous and put her ear to his heart to know if it was beating now he was dead despair suddenly swept down upon her overpoweringly bertha tried again to shake off her fancies she even went to the piano and played a few notes but the morbid attraction was too strong for her and the scene went on now that he was dead he could not check her passion now he was helpless and she kissed him with all her love she passed her hands through his hair and stroked his face he had hated this in life she kissed his lips and his closed eyes the imagined grief was so poignant that bertha burst into tears she remained with the body refusing to be separated from it bertha buried her face in the cushions so that nothing might disturb her illusion she had ceased trying to drive it away ah she loved him passionately she had always loved him and could not live without him she knew that she would shortly die and she had been afraid of death ah now it was welcome she kissed his hands he could not prevent her now and with a little shudder opened his eyes they were glassy expressionless immobile clinging to him she sobbed in love and anguish she would let none touch him but herself it was a relief to perform the last offices for him who had been her whole life she did not know that her love was so great she undressed the body and washed it she washed the limbs one by one and sponged them then very gently dried them with a towel the touch of the cold flesh made her shudder voluptuously she thought of him taking her in his strong arms kissing her on the mouth she wrapped him in the white shroud and surrounded him with flowers they placed him in the coffin and her heart stood still she could not leave him she passed with him all day and all night looking ever at the quiet restful face dr ramsay came and miss glover came urging her to go away but she refused what was the care of her own health now she had only wanted to live for him the coffin was closed and she saw the gestures of the undertakers she had seen her husband's face for the last time her beloved her heart was like a stone and she beat her breast in pain hurriedly now the pictures thronged upon her the drive to the churchyard the service the coffin strewn with flowers and finally the graveside they tried to keep her at home what cared she for the silly the abominable convention which sought to prevent her from going to the funeral was it not her husband the only light of her life whom they were burying they could not realize the horror of it the utter despair and distinctly by the dimness of the winter day in her drawing-room at court leys bertha saw the lowering of the coffin heard the rattle of earth thrown upon it what would her life be afterwards she would try to live she would surround herself with edward's things so that his memory might be always with her the loneliness was appalling Leys was empty and bare she saw the endless succession of grey days the seasons brought no change and continually the clouds hung heavily above her the trees were always leafless and it was desolate she could not imagine that travel would bring solace the whole of life was blank and what to her now were the pictures and churches the blue skies of italy her only happiness was to weep then distractedly bertha thought that she would kill herself for life was impossible to endure no life at all the blankness of the grave was preferable to the pangs gnawing continually at her heart it would be easy to finish with a little morphia to close the book of trouble despair would give her courage and the prick of the needle was the only pain but her vision became dim and she had to make an effort to retain it her thoughts grew less coherent traveling back to previous incidents to the scene at the grave to the voluptuous pleasure of washing the body it was also vivid that the entrance of edward came upon her as a surprise but the relief was too great for words it was the awakening from a horrible nightmare when he came forward to kiss her she flung her arms around his neck her eyes moist with past tears and pressed him passionately to her heart oh thank god she cried loa what's up now i don't know what's been the matter with me i've been so miserable eddie i thought you were dead you've been crying it was so awful i couldn't get the idea out of my head oh i should die also bertha could scarcely realize that her husband was by her side in the flesh alive and well would you be sorry if i died she asked him but you're not going to do anything of the sort he said cheerily sometimes i'm so frightened i don't believe i'll get over it he laughed at her and his joyous tones were peculiarly comforting she made him sit by her side and held his strong hands the hands which to her were the visible signs of his powerful manhood she stroked them and kissed the palms she was quite broken with the past emotions her limbs trembled and her eyes glistened with tears chapter fifteen